You're listening to Pombo and Peter's Picks, the home of your favorite sports betting podcast, presented by The Daily Goat. Hello, welcome to another episode of Pombo and Peter's Picks. I'm Jason Pombo, joined as always by the great Peter Alves. Peter, how we doing? Halloween is officially behind us. Spooky. Boo. It was a good time, good time. Even yeah. though uh, things didn't work out, it all works out in the end. Week nine in the NFL. Well, let me just tell you, I'm getting pissed off in the NFL. Look at the slate. Garbage, 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 garbage. I blame Monday, too, because uh, I was going to watch the World Series Game 3, and I didn't want to watch the, the Battle of Ohio, but Rob Manfred forced me to do that. Look, when it comes to the NFL schedule, I feel like during the week, during like the middle parts of the year, it feels like we kind of deal with the bye weeks, and it feels like sometimes the play sort of goes down a little bit. But I will say, Peter, before we go over our picks, I feel like we saw some more offense this week as opposed to the previous like month, which was oh, good sure. to see. And uh, I mean, whether it's good to see or bad to see, we, we saw it. There was some high-scoring affairs, uh, and that's something that we haven't really got to see this NFL season, which has been dominated by unders and low-scoring games. So I wonder if it's time for the offenses to sort of break through and bring it up a notch in terms of entertainment value and whatever else, because we all know how much people love offense and how much people hate defense. So, And who makes these bi-week decisions? Six people on bye, and then like two people on bye last week, and then two people on bye week 13, and then six people on bye week 14. Come on, Roger Goodell, what are you doing? If you were in and if you were in the NFL, Peter, would you prefer to have a bye week in the middle of the year, the beginning of the year, or the end of the year? Nowadays, since the NFL season is way too long, and I'll die on the hill. Probably in the middle. Yeah. Too early, it's just too early, and then too late, everybody's hurt. Just... Middle to the end, like between weeks nine and ten, I think are probably where it's best at. I feel bad for the teams that have it early, like week five. Because then you got a long road ahead. I'm pretty sure the Patriots had it really early last year, if I remember correctly. And uh, it was a long slate and at the end. So, yeah, I, it feels like the bye week things are uh, rapidly approaching. It's ruining fantasy lineups. But, hey, got to deal with it, right? Part of it. All right, Peter. So, I did not do so hot in my picks this past week. Uh, I dropped my fourth consecutive premium pick of the week. Uh, I had the Bengals minus three and a half. Uh, against the Browns and Jacoby Brissett and the Browns absolutely destroyed Joe Burrow and the Bengals, uh, dominated them on all phases of the game. That was an L. I also had the Raiders minus one and a half. <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk Saints. about your Raiders. They are the worst team I've ever seen in my whole life. Very, very disappointing effort. And yeah, I got that wrong, which we'll talk about. I also had the Steelers plus 11. That was wrong. The Eagles ended up covering. And then I also had the under for the Cowboys-Bears game, and the Cowboys uh, hit the over by themselves. So, got that one wrong. The total was 42, and I think the combined total, what, was it 65 or something stupid? I think it was 49 to, like, 24 or something. Something dumb, yeah. It's 60-something or whatever. Uh, but my pick that I got correct was the Commanders plus 2.5. Uh, Taylor Heineke executed a two-minute drive to beat Sam Ellinger and the Indianapolis Colts. So, yeah, Peter, I'm 1-4 this past week. I'm on a real losing streak here. And like I said, I've dropped four consecutive premium picks in a row. So we're going to try to break that in week nine here. Well, I'm 4-1. and one. I 
Patriots minus one and a half. I got bullied into it. Thank you, Matt, for the free money. Never do that again. I thought you were in for the Jets plus three versus your stupid Skylar Thompson. But thanks for the free money and never do that again. I hope you put like a crying face over your face. Oh, well, you're not even making the graphics. So you're probably like blacklisted or something. But yeah, four and one. Ravens minus one. Got that right. I don't know what your problem is picking Thursday games. 2-0 and on Thursday night football. It's pretty easy. Packers plus 11 and a half. Squeak that out at the end. Cowboys minus nine. Dominated the whole game. And then the only thing that got wrong was Colts minus two and a half. Taylor Heineke. It's pretty good. And that was the only thing I got right, ironically enough. So, good week for you. Bad week for me. And uh, hopefully we can kind of even out this uh, this next coming week. Uh, I'm necessarily not too optimistic. I thought I liked the slate last week, but I was completely wrong. I hate this board. I hate. I also kind of hate this board. So, which we'll get into later on in the show. I'm kind of taking some old reliables and trying to back the veterans because I I really need something to really cling on here to improve my picks. So, uh, yeah, Peter, good for you though. I mean, it feels like you're finally rounding into shape, and uh, you had a slow start to begin the year. It's because of Matt. Listen, he cursed the city of New York. He's in Columbus right now. He cursed the, yeah, yeah, the state of Ohio. And he cursed the Columbus Blue Jackets. They lost. Matt Bruins, is dropping curses. Yeah. <laughs> Matt is just dropping curses everywhere he goes. It's like the, it's like the, <laughs> the road trip of Matt Cunha, huh? I should text Matt on Sunday and be like, who do you not want me to bet on this week? Yeah. So shout out Matt. He is not doing the graphic uh, to the episode that you're currently listening to. Shock. I'm back. <laughs> I'm back on the wheel this week. So it's my first graphic, Peter, I'm doing since the NBA one. So Insider Seeker, I think you're going to do next one, too. <laughs> Adam Schefter report. All right, Peter, so let's talk about week eight in the NFL. Let's start off with uh, this past Thursday night's football game. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens uh, took care of business in Tampa Bay to win 27-22 to against Tom Brady and the Bucks. The Ravens improved to 5-3 and three on the season, and Tom Brady fell to 3-5 and five through eight games. Uh, Lamar Jackson in this one was 27 of 38 for 238 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, This was a real welcome party for Isaiah Likely. Six receptions for 77 yards and a touchdown. He is from Everett, Massachusetts, which is kind of cool. Other side of things with the Bucs, Tom Brady and the offense still continue to struggle. Brady was 26 of 44 for 325 yards and a touchdown. They were not able to generate anything running the ball. Leonard Fournette was the leading rusher with 24 yards on nine carries. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin did their thing. They both combined for 12 receptions um, for about 220 receiving yards. But other than that, they uh, they really had no production at the receiver position. Julio Jones was held to two receptions. Um, Fournette had three receptions. Scotty Miller had two receptions. Perryman had one. So this Buccaneers team continues to struggle, Peter. And it doesn't get any easier from here. They host the Rams this week. Then the following week, they host Seattle Seahawks, then they're heading to Cleveland. So Tom Brady and the Bucks are struggling, and the Baltimore Ravens potentially have found their identity a little bit here the last couple weeks. Yeah, Bucks lost three in a row, finally second place in that god-off of division. I mean, Tom Brady still doesn't look comfortable. They have no running game. They didn't even make a deal for any running back on the deadline, which was pretty surprising. Mm. So there's a lot out there. I mean, Brady still doesn't look comfortable back there. Mike Evans, even though he had 123 yards, he still was dropping balls left and right, which is as the biggest Mike Evans fan. It's really hard to see. But on the other side, the Ravens, as you said, Isaiah Likely, we're on the scene. I think he's starting this week. Mark Andrews, I assume, will be out. 
Insider secret. So. I'm picking them up everywhere, so don't like screw me because I have Mark Andrews everywhere. Who? Isaiah Likely. Oh, you pick it. Oh, I'm I got him in up. our. I got him in our. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but I'm picking him up everywhere, so don't screw me. But yeah, I mean, Lamar Jackson came back at the form. He had a bad four weeks or whatever. But yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, Bengals losing on Monday really, really, really helps. Yeah, absolutely. And the Ravens, like I said, they moved to five and three on the year. Uh, and the Bucks feels like every week we're talking about like a panic meter on the Bucks, and we both acknowledge that division is arguably the worst in the NFL. So that gives them an opportunity in, in a window to sort of deal with these growing pains. But again, like I said last week on the show, they're going to be a 10 and seven, nine and 18. That's just the reality of it. I just feel like they have too many holes and just a lot of flaws. I'm of the mindset that they should have Byron Leftwich not be the offensive play caller anymore. Uh, I think you got to switch things up there. Uh, Clyde Christensen, who's their quarterback coach, uh, he's famous. He's famous for working with Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck. I wouldn't mind seeing him call the plays for these Bucks offense, but uh, I don't know. I'm just really down on the team as a whole, and it just feels like they've had opportunities here, and they just continue to struggle. Like that first half, I say that second half, the Bucks were just wretched. No like how have they not fired their offensive coordinator? Because it's Byron Leftwich, who was a very highly yeah, uh, obviously regarded some, coach. Some, something's not working. I agree. I, I think it should be Clyde Christensen. He's a veteran guy, and he's the quarterback coach. I would shake things up, but and you have I don't Brady think the Bucks are at like that. Nine more weeks or whatever. That's what I'm saying. You are in. You should be in a, a mode in which you say, screw it. Like, we're all in. We got to change some things up and worry about the future later because you're screwed when Brady walks out the door anyway. So, I, I don't know. This Bucks team, they're one and three at home, which is just super uncharacteristic. Can't run the ball. We know how bad the offensive line is. And just... To me, like defensively, I just thought they'd be a little bit better. The secondary is extremely weak. And Shaq the linebackers, out for the year. Shaq Barrett's out for the year. Devin White does not look like himself. And I don't know. It just feels like this Bucks team is uh, just ain't it, man. I think I'm not saying you should light your ticket on fire, Peter, but no, because that division's so bad. That's what I'm saying. The division is so bad. It's Tom Brady. You can never count him out. But it's just the reality of things. They're a nine or ten win team in the playoffs. We'll see what happens. But right in the regular season, they're a nine and ten team so uh yeah that's on the bucks and the ravens peter let's move on here let's talk a little bit about the falcons panthers a game that probably heading to the week you would not expect us to talk about because look it's two teams that play in that wretched nfc south division and both teams are sort of in a rebuild mold with uh, pj walker under center for the panthers and marcus Mariota under center for the falcons and peter i think it was the best game of the season the Falcons ended up winning in overtime against the Panthers, 37-34. to 34. Marcus Mariota was 20 of 28 for 253 yards, three touchdowns and two interceptions. Kyle Pitts finally got in the end zone. He had five catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. The other side of things, P.J. Walker was 19 of 36 for 317 yards, a touchdown and a pick. And Deonta Foreman, 26 carries, 118 yards and three touchdowns. He's available in your fantasy leagues. You got to go get him. Peter, I got him in ours. I got him in another way. Do you nice? Uh, DJ Moore back to back weeks where he's uh he's actually producing here. Six receptions, 152 yards, and a touchdown. All right, Peter. So this game was wild, absolutely wild. And with the win, the Falcons moved to four and four, and the Panthers fall to two and six. All right, Peter. On November second, 2022, the Atlanta Falcons at four and four currently sit as the NFC South leaders in that division. Who would have ever guessed that heading into Week Nine? Certainly not me. 
Actually, you were pretty high in the top. I'm, I'm the closest, though. I said they'd win like seven games, and uh, everyone kind of spit on me. So it, it's it's good to see. I mean, Falcons, obviously. Uh, big news today, and they traded away Calvin Ridley, the gambling man. <laughs> the Jags were like nothing. But I, I guess that's what you have to do. I, I I don't really know where they're going, to be honest. But The Falcons? Yeah. I don't get what. So well, we can talk about that trade, uh, that trade later in the show. But what do you think about their? So look, I think we both probably acknowledge that they're not going to win this division. I think we both can kind of assume that the Bucks are eventually going to take a stranglehold in that division. But I, I will say, Arthur Smith, he's impressed me a couple different times. This Falcons team, which doesn't have much talent, especially at the receiver position, especially with Kyle Pitts having a really, really bad year, and they're four and four. They've dealt with injuries to Cordero Patterson, you know, and Marcus Mariota hasn't necessarily lit up the scoreboard other than this week, and they're right in the thing. So, I mean, you got to give them credit for that. Uh, and people want to say, like, oh, they got lucky in this game with that DJ Moore penalty after that Hail Mary, which was a crazy throw by P.J. Walker. But the Falcons delivered in overtime. It was simple as that. Yeah, Falcons almost got crucified. I don't know what the cornerbacks were doing, slowing up on the end. Oh, that you Hail know Mary? that the bomb. I mean, I don't know. Good on DJ Moore. I have DJ Moore everywhere. I love DJ Moore. I traded him a couple weeks ago. Yeah, shocker. That's why he's doing good. I have him yeah. literally everywhere, so thank you for that. And then Deontay Foreman, Chris McCaffrey, who? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it is what it is. Also, it look- makes sense, but it is yeah. Also, it looks like the Panthers are going to at least in the, in, the, uh, in the short term move forward with PJ Walker and Baker Mayfield is set to be the backup next week. Good. You, you think- can't put in anybody else. You think that's the correct decision at this point? Yeah, I mean, P.J. Walker led them to the Bucks win and then almost won this game. He looked yeah. pretty good. So, Yeah, let P.J. Walker, I mean, assess him. Uh, I don't think he's necessarily much, but, hey, who knows how, who knows? The NFL is a really weird league, and it's crazy to even fathom. I've talked about it for a couple of weeks. P.J. Walker was legitimately the fourth-string quarterback in training camp for the Panthers. Yeah, they behind... gave him as a backup. Actor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So who knows how that's going to go. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think Baker Mayfield's done enough to really establish his job security. Will he eventually get the reins again? Probably. Please no. I don't. Please don't kill DJ Moore again. Please don't. I'll take Sam Darnold. Uh, yeah, I mean, mate, Darnold should be back in a couple. Oh, where's weeks. Matt Corral? Is he not gonna? Do oh, he's it? out for the year. He's got that. Uh, he's got a foot injury. He's he's out for the year. So, and that's actually, if you're a Panthers fan, that's a that's gotta be upsetting because Matt Corral was somebody that went in the middle of the draft that a lot of people kind of like, and he in a season in Noah. which, the, yeah, Noah, uh, in a season in which the Panthers right now are two and six. Uh, you would probably have a chance to evaluate him as a rookie quarterback, and they're not going to have that opportunity. So I'm curious what they do next season at the quarterback position because they're going to have an opportunity to really look at Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, and P.J. Walker. So I wanted the Panthers to win so bad, just just for the fact we could say the Panthers in the first place. Yeah, I know. Crazy. After dealing McCaffrey, after almost dealing D.J. Moore, after dealing Robbie Anderson, after firing Matt Rule, after just everything that's went after Baker Mayfield gets hurt, Sam Darnold gets hurt. Crazy. All right, Peter, we've talked about three teams in the NFC South. Might as well make it a four. So let's talk about my Vegas Raiders getting absolutely humiliated by the New Orleans Saints. The Saints win 24 nothing. Saints shut out the Raiders uh, in New Orleans. Saints moved to 3-5 and five on the year, and the Raiders fall to 2-5. and five. The Raiders are now 0-4 on the road this year. Uh, Derek Carr might have just put together the worst game of his NFL career. He was 15-26 of 26 for 105 yards and in an interception. 
Um, Josh Jacobs, after he really played well last week, he struggled this week. 10 carries, 43 yards. I don't necessarily put that too much on him. Uh, the scoreboard got away, and they had to abandon the run. But Devontae Adams was held to one reception for three yards. Um, Hunter Renfro held to one reception for six yards. Other side of things with the New Orleans Saints, Andy Dalton. He looks like he's going to keep the job for a little bit, I think, Peter. 22 of 30, 229 yards and two touchdowns. And this game was the Alvin Kamara game. Finally, Kamara was 18 carries for 62 yards and a touchdown. He also had nine receptions for 96 yards and two receiving touchdowns. Chris Olave also contributed with five catches and 52 yards on seven targets. So, Peter, is this rock bottom for the Raiders? All right, I'll let, I'll let you go in like two seconds. Obviously, this is so bad for the Raiders. I think they're the worst team in the NFL. Maybe maybe you can give me the argument on the Texans, but they, they got to be right there. I think uh, Josh McDaniels is going to get fired. I think it's an inside. I'm being facetious right now. I think it's an uh, insider secret to uh, the Patriots. I think he's going to just go right back to the Patriots next year. And on the Saints, I mean, yeah, as he said, I don't think Jameis is getting that job back. Yeah. For now, anyway. He so, must be really, 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 really hurt, though. Winston? Oh, I, I mean, I feel like Dalton's done enough, and I, I don't think – it feels like there's a little – No, bit because of, after the two pick sixes versus the Cardinals, I think he should have got benched. I would think so, too, but you got to remember, Winston and his new coach with New Orleans and Dennis Allen, maybe him and Winston don't necessarily see eye to eye, see eye, to eye on a couple things, but you you made a good point. Dalton is turning the ball over as well, so – I eventually do think we'll see Jameis Winston, but I think it's the Dalton show for now. And, and I'll give Devontae right in it. Yeah, and I'll give Devontae Adams a free pass. He had the flu apparently, so there you go. And I don't think Darren Wall, is Darren Waller, never going to play ever again. Like, I thought he was going to play in this one, but the Saints wanted to be. Uh, I mean, the Raiders wanted to be uh, cautionary, and apparently thank Josh Daniels for absolutely destroying Josh Jacobs. Thank you. Cost me a fantasy league. Yeah. All right. Here's my take on the Raiders here. On the Josh McDaniels thing, a lot of people want to fire him. Which, again, you're 2-5, and five, you have a lot of talent, you're 0-4 on the road, and you just got goose-egged by the Saints. But I'll tell you one thing, Peter, the Raiders are not going to fire McDaniels. And one of the biggest reasons why is financially, Mark Davis is not going to fire McDaniels after one year and pay him and John Gruden on their buyout deals, which would be in excess of like $50, $60 million. There's no way he does it. Uh, I think he understands... He, Gave the program over to McDaniels and David and uh, Ziegler, and that's just how it's going to go. This year is bumpy, clearly, and uh, I think bumpy the Raiders is an understatement. Holy crap! Yeah, bumpy. Yeah, whatever you want to call it, awful, atrocious. But the Raiders are going to see it through. I, I just would be totally surprised if they blew McDaniels out after one year. And uh, I think there's a lot of growing pains right now, especially offensively. Derek Carr doesn't look comfortable in the offense. He's not playing up to par, and I'm curious what Derek Carr's future is going to look like next year. I thought Carr would really work out well in this offensive system, but it hasn't come to fruition yet. He's looked worse than he has last year. And the Raiders can move on from Derek Carr at the end of the season. So that's something to at least watch out for. Um, but yeah, this is bad for the Raiders. I, again, I said they'd make the playoffs. I said they'd win like 10 games and uh, I don't foresee that at all. Uh, the schedule, it's going to get a little tough in the middle. This coming week, they are... Home against the Jets. I'm sorry, they're at Jacksonville, and the Jaguars are also struggling. So it's two struggling teams going at each Such other. Such a bad game. Yeah, and it's just not good if you're a Raiders fan. And Devontae Adams has not been the weapon that I anticipated he'd be. Um, it feels like, I understand that he was sick or whatever, but look, through eight games here, he has 38 receptions, 512 yards, and five touchdowns. He's tied, tw- he's tied for 20th in the league in receptions. He's tied for 16th in yards. 
in average um, reception. He's averaging 13 and a half yards of reception, which is 33rd in the league. And Devontae Adams, who is, I believe he's the highest paid receiver in the league. If not, he's top two. Uh, he absolutely should be higher on that, but it's on McDaniels and company to get everyone on the same page, and that's not it's not happening yet. So the Raiders aren't going to make the playoffs. No shot. And to me, it just feels like just a lot of disconnect, a lot of moving parts, and I think I think we might see some overhaul. If things don't get better, I could see Derek Carr playing in, uh, playing for a different team next year. But Ooh. again, it's early. It's, I shouldn't say it's early, but the Raiders could absolutely find the stride in the middle of the season and finish the year strong. I got to rule that out. I don't rule a, out that winning seven games. I don't rule it out. He has a great Indianapolis coat. That'll be next year. Yeah. Great Colt, that one. They are currently projected sixth in the NFL draft. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. And who are the Raiders? Didn't they, they move their pick to the Packers? No, for uh, Rodgers? I mean, for Adams? No, they still have it, I think. Do they? Or maybe it was... How many? One, oh, maybe it was just one, one, and two twos or something. I forgot what it was. But uh, yeah, the Raiders are just—it's just not it, man. It's—it's it's not it. And uh, but I don't see Mark Davis moving on from McDaniel's. I'd be—I'd be surprised because the John Gruden stuff—they paid John Gruden a hundred million bucks. Uh, I think his buyout was like fifty million or something. And McDaniel's would be extremely high as well. So, but that is something to look at as we head forward in this NFL season here. Struggling teams. All right, Peter, uh, let's move on to the game that you kind of talked about to open the show when you were kind of adding Matt. Let's talk about the Patriots and the Jets. Uh, this was a divisional game that meant a little bit more uh, than it than it usually does. The Patriots came into the game uh, winning their last 12, game, 12 games against the Jets, and the Jets were actually second in the AFC East, sitting at 5-2. and two. But the Patriots went into the Meadowlands, and they beat the Jets 22-17. to 17. The Patriots improved to 4-4 four and four on the year. And the Jets, with their loss, fall to five and three on the year. Zach Wilson was twenty of forty-one, three hundred fifty-five yards, two touchdowns, and three interceptions. Uh, he was not good in this game, uh, and he struggled against Bill Belichick defenses now for three consecutive times. Uh, Garrett Wilson was a bright spot for the Jets. He had six catches, one hundred fifteen yards. Uh, Mac Jones was under pressure for the entire game, twenty-four of thirty-five, one hundred ninety-four yards, a touchdown and a pick. He was sacked six times in the game. Ramondre Stevenson continues to be the Patriots' best offensive weapon. Uh, I guess you could argue him or Jacoby Myers, 1A, 1B. Stevenson had 16 carries for 71 yards, and he also had seven receptions for 72 yards. So the Patriots win, proved a 4-4 four and four on the year after that colossal loss against the Bears on Monday Night Football. So, uh, Peter, what do you think about watching this game? Zach Wilson, I know a lot of uh, – there's some reactionary statements here that he is, he is done and this and that. So what's your take on Zach Wilson here? All right, again, I'll, I'll let you go because I'm sure you have thoughts. The Jets, I don't think Zach Wilson's going to work. I think, I don't know. I mean, Zach Wilson doesn't look comfortable. He's, he's like a little Mac Jones, to be honest. He's just making bad decisions all over the place. They need Brees Hall. They, they need another yeah. receiver. They need help. The Jets are the Jets. I, I think they're going to come back down to earth, unfortunately. On the other side, I mean, you can go on Mac Jones. I mean, bad interception. He got bailed out, sort of, on the pick six. Yep. So, uh, I'll start with you, the Jets. Yeah, you can I'll, go. I mean, right. I, I thought he was going to get benched after. The did you? Six. Yeah. I so really initially, I Peter, too, but I, I think this was his. We'll tell you what. Initially, watching the game live, I thought it was his worst game of the season. Mac, talking about Mac Jones anyway. Of course, it was Zach Wilson's worst game of the season, but uh, I thought Mac Jones looked uncomfortable. Uh, I felt like that his decision making uh, was not up to par. But then I kind of looked at the numbers and I rewatched the the coach's film on the NFL Plus. And one thing that I did notice here is 
how all right. So how many top what do you think what percentage do you think was Mac Jones pressured in this game? A lot. They were missing David Andrews. Yeah, they were missing David Andrews and Cole Strange got benched for Isaiah Wynn. So Mac Jones was pressured 40.9% of his dropbacks, 40.9, nearly half, which was the highest of his career, excluding the win game against the Buffalo Bills. He was pressured 18 times, which is the most of his career. He was sacked six times, which is the most of his career. But uh, I don't necessarily put all the sacks on the offensive line. I'd say probably four of them were on the offensive line. Two of them, I would probably account for Mac Jones having to get the ball out quicker. But I do think Mac Jones was effective on those last two drives, the last two drives in the um, the last drive in the first half and the first drive in the second half. The first drive in the second half, he executed some key third downs, and they were some diff- they were a difference maker in the game. And Bill Belichick spoke glowingly about Mac Jones in the post game, and he was just like, "Hey, like he made good enough decisions for us to win. It wasn't perfect, but he got it done." And that's just how I felt after watching the game. Mac Jones made some crucial plays on th- third down. He did enough. Uh, I, I still think that ankle is still in the back of his mind, especially with that bad offensive line. Uh, and they just did enough when they had to do it. That fourth down play to Jacoby Myers was important. That was ballsy. I didn't, I, didn't like was that ballsy. I didn't like them going for fourth down, like twice. Yeah, I, I didn't like it either time, but it worked out, and that was a big reason why. Uh, going forward, they need to keep Mac Jones upright. It's as simple as that. Um, again, when I first watched the game, Peter, I was I was worried they were going to bench him. Like I, In the back of my mind, I was like, are they really going to do it? But uh, I think Mac Jones evened out in the second half, and uh, he did enough here. Uh, they just need to protect him, though. Like, again, pressured on 40, let's round up, 41% of your dropbacks. Like, what are you doing? Like, that's just an absurd number. 41%, Peter, nearly half, which is just crazy to me. And when is anybody, any team going to learn? Like, you got to cover Jacoby Myers, not with a safety and not with a linebacker. And then Stevenson, the same thing. They're just a two offense. I mean, just yeah. Myers or Stevenson. And then Myers, Harris will run yeah. the ball sometimes, but that's it. Myers, nine catches, 60 yards, and a touchdown in this game. He was targeted 12 times. Uh, he Again, he was awesome in this game for sure. And Mac Jones clearly believes he's their number one guy. And I'm curious to see what happens with him in the offseason because he's a free agent. And I thought he was more of like a number three, but maybe he's like a number two receiver. I don't necessarily rule that out. I don't think he's a number one, unlike a, like a championship team per se, but I think he can be a number two. Uh, I think he's better than I anticipated he would be. He gets open. Uh, he's great on third down. Uh, and this Patriots team, the next two games are important. Home against the Colts, and they are home against the Jets. So, you win these two games, Peter. The Patriots would sit at six and four, and, and the AFC is wide open, in my opinion. A lot of struggling teams out there. So, uh, the Patriots can right the ship here, and I, I think they will. I think Mac Jones is going to have a good game this coming week against the Colts. Uh, I like their chances in the next two games. So we'll see how that goes. All right, Peter, let's switch gears. Talk a little bit. The NFC West 49ers uh, have owned the Rams other than the NFC championship game last week. Uh, and the same was happened in week eight. The 49ers beat the Rams 31 to 14. The 49ers moved to four and four on the year and the Rams fell to three and four on the year. Jimmy Garoppolo was 21 of 25 for 235 yards and two touchdowns. But the story of the game for the 49ers was Christian McCaffrey, who had a rushing touchdown, a receiving touchdown and a passing touchdown. McCaffrey on the ground had 18 carries, 94 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, receiving, he had eight receptions, 55 yards, and a receiving touchdown. And like I said, he also had a passing touchdown. He threw a 34-yard bomb to Brandon Ayuk. Uh, other side of things, Matt Stafford, again, he has not looked comfortable all year. 22 of 33, 187 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, the Rams were never able to generate anything on the ground, uh, and they elected to not 
uh, trade for a running back today. And Cam Akers is still a member of the Rams as of today. Uh, and Cooper Cup feels like the only option offensively. He had eight receptions, 79 yards, and a touchdown. And it looked like he had a low ankle sprain in late in the fourth quarter. Uh, and I know Sean McVay's got a lot of crap because uh, why was he in there late in the fourth quarter when you're losing by 21? So uh, that's something, I guess, to keep an eye on going forward. But Allen Robinson, he got targeted seven times. He had five receptions for 54 yards. This Rams team, Peter, I know we all said the Cincinnati Bengals had that Super Bowl hangover, uh, which they probably do. But I think the Rams just are being exposed this year. Like, it feels like the offensive line is just not good. I have some real questions about Matt Stafford's arm strength. They have no reliable pass catchers outside of Cooper Cup. And uh, that defense just, it feels like it's just not as good as I anticipated it would be. Yeah, I mean, the Rams are a carbon copy of the Bucks. You know, aging, well, not aging with Stafford, but like quarterback. I, I, yeah, I, I consider concerns, that. Aging. I guess. Yeah. I mean, no running game, no running game to speak of. I think Kyron Williams is going to come off IR this week. Receiving, I mean, Cooper Cup, as you said, a minute left in the game. Why is he still in there? They they deserve that, to be honest. And on the other side, I mean, McCaffrey, go McCaffrey. Yeah, McCaffrey was awesome in this game. I still have some res, I'm still have some question marks if he can actually stay healthy, but. And I uh, will not, yeah, I, I won't uh, defend that trade at all because you don't have to do that. He was awesome in this game. He was one of the big reasons why they won. So uh, that's important. Okay, Peter, let's move on to, let's talk about the Sunday night game this week. Uh, Packers Bills. Uh, this was a game that Peter, I believe you, who'd you at? You, you didn't, you didn't pick this game, did you? Nah, the no. Packers plus eleven and a half. Okay, so yeah, oh yeah, you did. So you were on the right end of it. That was uh, going to be my premium pick of the week if Matt I didn't bully so. me. Thanks, Matt. I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> so the Bills win this game twenty-seven to seventeen over the Packers. Josh Allen, who didn't necessarily have his best stuff in this game, was thirteen to twenty-five, two hundred eighteen yards, two touchdowns, and two picks. Uh, Stephon Diggs continues to just. Dominate opposing cornerbacks. He had six catches, 108 yards, and a touchdown. Other side of things, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. The offense still isn't necessarily where they want it to be, but at least they were able to run the ball this week. Uh, Rodgers was 19 of 30, 203 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. But the Packers combined for 208 rushing yards. Aaron Jones contributed 143 yards on 20 carries. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, he had a nice touchdown catch. He had four catches for 62 yards. Packers fall to three and five, the same as the Bucks, and the Bills move to six and one on the year. So, Peter, uh, this was a game that I think a lot of people had penciled in as a as a Bills victory, and the Packers' offense just wasn't good enough in this game. And uh, did you see the Packers' offense improve at all, or do you still think they're kind of in the same situation as the Bucks and the Rams? Pretty hopeless. I mean, they <laughs> they kind of are worse because they don't have the luxury of their division being terrible. They're three games behind uh, the Vikings, and they lost Week One, obviously. I mean, it's good to see the running game going. That's what they should have done all year. I mean, just keep feeding the running back. They have no receivers. Rodgers has no help. His O-line's not even that good either. So, I don't know. That's a world of hurt. Their schedule opens up a little bit. Oh, no, it doesn't. Lions, Cowboys, Titans, Eagles. All right, see you. Never mind. But, yeah, and the Bills are just going to be the Bills. They're number one or number two. Chiefs, Bills. Somebody's going to come out of the AFC. So, yeah, it is what it is. It feels like it's a two man race in the AFC, and it feels like at this point the Vikings are vying for a while. I mean, the Vikings, I'm sorry, the Packers are vying for a, a wild card spot because the division right now feels out of reach. The pack, the uh, Packers are three and five, and the Vikings are six and one. So, big, a lot of ground to make up, and it feels like Aaron Rodgers is frustrated. The Packers did not make a move for a receiver. 
They didn't make any moves. They didn't move. Yeah, they didn't make any moves. They were in on Chase Claypool. It didn't come to fruition. I still think they'll be in on Odell Beckham, but I don't think Odell Beckham necessarily is going to be that life changer and completely change the season for this Packers team. Uh, I just feels like I did see some improvements. At least they were able to run the ball effectively. I think that's something they could hang their hats on and move forward as they take on the Detroit Lions at home. But uh, they're actually in Detroit next week. But uh, you know what I mean in terms of running the football, especially against a, a really weak Lions run defense. But switching gears to the Bills, the Bills are the Bills. Josh Allen didn't necessarily have to do too much, uh, and he was able to generate a victory. But I did not like the turnovers he had. He could have had he could have picked three or four times, but it was enough for a victory. And like you said, however you slice it, the Chiefs and Bills are one A, one B in the AFC. As far as we know, one of them is going to come out of the AFC unless something radical happens. The Bills can't sleep. They're only one game behind the Jets and the Dolphins and then two games behind the Patriots. It's true. It's true. But it just feels like, I don't know, it just feels like the light years ahead of everyone else. So, oh, yeah, but again, sure. I do think they have some, they addressed it a little bit at the trade deadline, but I do think their failure, their inability to run the football could come down to hurt them. Because Devin I mean, Singletary looked fine. Yeah, he looked okay. I think he had 60-something rushing yards, but uh, I don't know. It just feels like in big spots, they need to actually dedicate sometimes to the run and feels like they don't want to do that sometimes. So we'll see. All right, Peter, let's talk about the Monday night football game, uh, the game that happened on Halloween night. Very spooky for the Cincinnati Bengals, Peter. You like that? Good one. Uh, the love Bengals. I love the white jersey. I do too. I love the Bengals white jerseys. I love their black jerseys too. I didn't love the Bengals on field product on Monday night. They got smacked. By Jacoby Brissett and the Browns. Uh, the Bengals lose 32-13. to They fall to 4-4 four and four on the year. And the Browns move to 3-5 and five on the year. Joe Burrow has never beat the Browns, ironically enough. Burrow was 25 of 35 for 232 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. He was sacked five times. Joe Mixon, your guy, Peter, only had 27 rushing yards. And the Bengals, of course, were without Jamar Chase. He was missed in this game. Uh, other side of things, the, the Browns. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, 17 of 22, 278 yards and a touchdown. This was by far his best game of the season. Uh, Nick Chubb, 23 carries, 101 yards and two touchdowns. And Amari Cooper, he might have had his best game of the season too. Five catches, 131 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the Bengals, they had a big opportunity here to kind of stay parallel with the Ravens in the AFC North, and they weren't able to do so uh, in the in the Browns. Uh, they're still alive in the AFC at three and five. So I think for the Bengals, I do think they missed Jamar Chase in this game, but I think the offensive line is still such a thorn in that Bengals offense. Yeah, that line's a joke. That's a bottom five uh, thing. I I don't even know how you do that for all their money. It's that O-line. It doesn't work out. Obviously, they're missing Jamar Chase. I like their whole offense, but Joe Burrow just looks inept without him. There was like a stat. I think you posted it. Like he only has like four touchdowns without him. I did. Uh, hang on. I, I already forgot what it was. Yeah, so Joe Burrow and the Bengals, since... Jamar Chase got hurt. Uh, they've had 14 drives, right? 14 possessions. Only three of them have ended in a touchdown. Two of those drives ended in turnovers, and five of them ended in punts. Uh, a couple other them, a couple other them, where they went for it on fourth down and they didn't convert. They had a couple missed field goals in there, but however you slice it, it was only 21 points in 14 possessions for the Bengals without Jamar Chase. I think that's a real thing. Uh, I do think that this Bengals offense really can't operate. I shouldn't say can't operate, but really struggles to operate without Jamar Chase. He's such a difference maker. I understand that he, I don't want to say struggled early in the year, but he wasn't necessarily getting the volume earlier in the year. But he, his presence alone was still so impactful for that team. Drawing double coverages, 
drawing a safety over the top, whatever it may be. Without him on the field, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd are forced to do a lot. And I don't necessarily know if they're capable to do enough. So that's something to look at going forward. I'm not a huge believer in this Bengals team. I did start to buy in last week. That's why I picked them. That's why they were my premium pick of the week. But I don't know. Now I'm uh, now I'm uncertain about them again. And I was all in. I felt like they finally got their stuff together. I think they won two consec- three consecutive games. But uh, Joe Burrow cannot beat the Browns, I guess. Yeah, I don't even know that. That's kind of weird. Yeah, I guess Kevin Stefanski has his number. Just very odd because this was a game that the Bengals should have had. Um, the Browns have kind of gotten run over the last couple of weeks, and it felt like they were just destined for a top ten draft pick and destined for Deshaun Watson to make his long awaited uh, season appearance. Yeah, because they have no they have no expectation. Yeah, exactly. All right, Peter. Uh, so let's talk about the NFL trade deadline, Peter, because I feel like this is going to consume uh, a good portion of the show. Um, NFL trade deadline was this past Wednesday at four o'clock Eastern time and untypical. I, un, I don't know if that's a word. Untypical. I don't know. Un- whatever. Uncare- well, yeah, sure. What uncharacteristically, that's a better word. Uncharacteristically, uh, there was a plethora of moves in the NFL this week. Uh, and especially for the NFL trade deadline on this past Wednesday, we saw a lot of them, Peter. So let's hit on a bunch of them. Let's start off with a deal that happened late last week. Um, or it might have been early this week. I don't. I get all the days confused now. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens acquired linebacker Roquan Smith from the Chicago Bears. Uh, they gave up linebacker AJ Klein uh, in a 2023 second round pick and a 2023 fifth round pick. Roquan Smith is a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, to me, he just fits perfect with this Ravens defense. He's a perfect Raven linebacker. But I am more curious to see how much they pay him because now they have two coveted uh, cornerstone players to pay this offseason in Lamar Jackson and Roquan Smith. And there's only one franchise tag. Yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about that. They probably have cap money anyways. I mean, sure they, they do, but it's yeah. just they gotta they have to pay people this this offseason. Well, I love that for both sides. Obviously, the Bears aren't going to re-sign them and they need draft picks. And then the other side, the I mean, anything they can do. I mean, they uh, AFC West tried to do this, and it didn't work out so far. They just paid defensive linemen and tried to get Patrick Mahomes, and it, it is what it is. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. I like the move for the Ravens as a whole, though. I think Roquan Smith's a legit linebacker in this league. He's young, uh, plays all three downs. You can play him inside. You can play him outside. He can do so many different things, and I think he's going to fit in perfectly uh, with that Ravens defense, which has uh, – I should say weak-ish linebackers, and I think that's something that they can use to improve upon. Uh, Another big move that happened, Peter, I think you kind of alluded to it earlier in the show. Uh, Calvin Ridley, uh, a name that we haven't talked about all year because he was suspended for the entire NFL season for uh, gambling on the Atlanta Falcons last year. Uh, Calvin Ridley is on the move. Uh, He's going to head to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Ridley was moved. Uh, The deal was a very complex uh, incentive-based deal, which... Uh, can be worth a maximum of a 2023 fifth rounder and a 2024 second rounder. So I believe it's based on if the Jaguars elect to re-sign Calvin Ridley after the 2023 season or something along those lines. Um, But however you want to say it, Peter, uh, Calvin Ridley is now a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars. No, he will be not playing this season, but he is slated to be uh, suiting up in 2023. I think this is a home run move for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I love this for the Jaguars. They didn't uh, give up too much. I, I thought that Calvin uh, Calvin Ridley, when he's actually on the field, I think he's a top 10 receiver. And next year, there's no excuse for Trevor Lawrence, like at all. 
None. Yeah. I, we talked about it last week. How many uh, like get out, get out of jail free cards did Trevor Lawrence get? And now we we mocked the Jaguars offseason last year about how they paid like all that money to Evan Ingram and Christian Kirk. Well, now hey, that's you working have, out. Evan Ingram looks pretty good. Well, you know what I mean? We, we kind of mocked yeah. them. And now they have a legit number one receiver in uh, Calvin Ridley, who, despite the fact that he hasn't played this season, is... Legit, Peter, like you said, I think he's a borderline top 10 receiver in this league. You get him without giving up a first-round pick. That's a home run, in my opinion. I think there's a lot of teams that should have been in on him. Uh, like, I think, Peter, I think the Patriots should have been in on him. I think a lot of the contenders should have been in on him. I think this would have been a good move for even the Green Bay Packers. I know he can't play this year, but heading into next year, you have a cost-efficient top 10 receiver that you get without giving up a first-round pick. I think that's, well, that's probably run. why people didn't want to do it, though. Because he can't play all throughout this year. I get it, but... Especially when you're all I, in and trying to win the Super Bowl this year. Like I know, but... 49ers or whatever. Uh, maybe the maybe the Packers are a bad example. But if you're a team like the Patriots, who cl- clearly are very uh, protective of their first-round picks, and I understand why. You don't want to end up like the Rams or whatever else. But Calvin Ridley is a receiver who I think people forget how good he is. He's only 27 years old. He's going to be 28 in December. Uh, and again... Number one receiver, you get him without giving up a first round pick. Like, I don't, there's not many opportunities where you get that. The guy caught 90 balls in 2020. Uh, last year before he was out, he had 31 catches in five games. He's a man, he, he can play. He really can play. And I think that's somebody that the Jaguars sort of stole. And I think people are not talking about this. Is my favorite move of the deadline. And I think it's going to be the best. And that's a two, and that's in two years, a second round pick. I mean, Trevor Lawrence should be. What like top ten by then? Yeah, no, no excuses for Trevor Lawrence. No excuses. None. Should be in the playoffs. So that after twenty twenty three, good. So after twenty twenty three, Peter, I none. Trevor Lawrence, you this. It feels like he's getting less scrutinized than all the other rookie quarterbacks, and I think he's played just as poorly as the rest of them. So it this is it though. If he if he can't make it work down there, he has a real NFL coach, an offensive minded coach. He'll have Christian Kirk down there. Evan Ingram getting into his own. Uh, Travis Etienne's a legit running back. They just drafted a linebacker with their first overall pick last year. You know, they have got to make still, it. They'll have the top five pick. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Make it work, Trevor Lawrence, and get out. <laughs> um, all right, Peter, let's move on. Let's talk about the Denver Broncos. Uh, the Broncos were busy in this trade deadline, uh, and, and I like what they did. Uh, they traded uh, edge defender Bradley Chubb in a 2025th fifth-round draft pick to the Dolphins. For a 2023 first-round pick, a 2024 fourth-round pick, and running back Chase Edmonds. So the Broncos, after uh, trading for Russell Wilson, uh, now replenish their draft capital, and they have a first-round pick this coming year. Uh, And the Dolphins have now, I think, moved three consecutive first-round picks in a row. So, Peter, do you like this move for the Dolphins? I know that they've had some injuries in their front seven, specifically in their pass rusher. Uh, So I understand why they made this move, but a first-round pick seems like a lot for Bradley Chubb. I mean, they all are kind of all in, I guess. They're going to have to pay two an extra. Yeah, I think they're going to have right. to pay Chubb, too, no? Yeah. I mean, you're... Mike McDaniels is next. Sean McVay, I think. He doesn't care about first-round picks. Yep. I like that on both sides. Obviously, if you do it with the Broncos, you have no picks. Seahawks, uh, obviously, own your whole future. Thank, thank you, uh, Russell Wilson. But Yeah. I like it for both sides. It makes sense, I guess. It makes sense for both sides. The Dolphins, they feel like they're a pass rusher away on that defense, and they they address it. But it's a steep price for sure. Bradley Chubb is somebody I really like. Um, but, I mean, when you kind of look at things, he's had a great year this so, so far. He's had five and a half sacks. Uh, I think he's had 26 tackles. I think he's had uh, two forced fumbles, pass deflection. He's had a good year. But 
Uh, he's dealt with some injury history the last couple of years. Um, but I, I don't know. I do like this move for the for the Broncos more than I, I think the Dolphins because the Broncos, I think we all know what they are, Peter. They are probably a sub-500 team that has no draft capital and that's going to be looking for an NFL coach this coming year. And they needed a first-round draft pick this year, probably more than any other team in the league. And getting one from moving on from Bradley Chubb, who's a nice, who's a good player, but I don't consider him like an elite pass rusher. Like, I don't consider him like Von Miller. I know a lot of people were making that comparison, and I think that's sort of outlandish. Von Miller is a Super Bowl champion, uh, first-team all-defense. You know, he's done it all, and Bradley Chubb's a little bit of a... I, I don't want to call him like a, a wor- he's the worst player. He's a one-time Pro Bowler compared to Von Miller, who I think has made the Pro Bowl, what, 10 times? Something like sure. that. Sure, traded to... Uh... Eight times for Von Miller. Von Miller was a three-time All-Pro. Sure, traded to... Uh... Denver for Russell Wilson? No, not Mr. Unlimited, but... Broncos country, Denver. let's let's ride. All right, Peter, uh, let's talk about the Detroit Lions. Uh, they made a deal in division, and it wasn't with the Green Bay Packers. They made it with the Minnesota Vikings, Peter. My Minnesota Vikings. Uh, the Lions traded tight end TJ Hawkinson to the Vikings for a 2023 second-round pick and a 2024, 2024 third-round pick. Uh, Vikings tight end Irv Smith, he has a high ankle sprain, and he's likely to miss more than a month. So TJ I think it's Hawkins- like six to ten weeks. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, so Hawkinson is slated to really be that number one tight end, and now the Vikings, you look at their skill position players here, Peter. Dalvin Cook. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, TJ Hawkinson. You know, it feels like the Vikings are loaded at six and one. They feel like the least talked about six and one team in the NFL right now. Uh, you're not going to like this, but I think they're frauds. I think their defense okay, needs okay. a lot of work. And I don't trust Kirk Cousins in an NFC championship game if he gets there. Well, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But I, I like that trade for both sides. I mean, Hawkinson's not a free agent after. This season, so he has another season after this. It mm-hmm. kind of puzzled me a second and a third round pick, though. I think that was a little too high, but it makes sense after the uh injury to Irv Smith. Yeah, the thing I was puzzled on was that it was an in-division deal. You don't see many deals like that in today's NFL. Uh, and the Lions ripped to all those people that bet on Dan Campbell for coach of the year and the over for the Lions win total and everything else getting sucked in a hard knocks. But the reality is the Lions are a rebuilding team. Their defense is one of the worst in NFL history, to be frank. And uh, they have some offensive skill position players. They gave up one of them right today uh, on Wednesday in TJ Hawkinson. But uh, I do think they need all the draft capital they can get as a rebuilding team. And uh, that's why they made the move. I I like Hawkinson a lot. I feel like he's one of the most underrated tight ends in the league. This season, he hasn't necessarily taken that jump that I anticipated he would be, uh, that he would have done. But I think he's going to fit in well with the Vikings. I think playing in a role in which he's not necessarily going to be dependent upon depended upon on every snap is going to be important uh, 30 that, seconds right there's no way they pick Bryce Young or CJ Stroud right the, the Lions yeah no way right uh I would say pick somebody uh, trade down pick somebody on defense that's Jared what Goff's not, Jared Goff's not the problem yeah I'm not sure saying we'll talk about it later but yeah I don't think quarterbacks the reason the Lions are like one in six right now but I do think if the Lions evaluate someone at the top of their draft board and it's a can't miss guy they'll do it but if you're a Lions fan, you got to be really disappointed because there was a lot of hype entering this NFL season. Like we said, Dan Campbell was the most bet on coach to win That's coach hard of knocks the year. Fault, it was hard knocks' fault, and I think a lot of people bought in on Dan Campbell and the whole charade. And it just feels like that defense is awful. They fired their defensive backs coach Audrey Pleasance uh, late, uh, I think, on Monday. 
Uh, the secondary is abysmal, man. It's a real bad secondary. And Jared Goff is doing as much as he can. Like, they put up close to 30 points this week. It wasn't enough, of course. But I don't know. The Lions, it feels like they have holes now. And if a quarterback they like is there, I think they will draft him because it's the most important position on the field. But like you said, the defense is really what needs work. And I, I do think ultimately that'll probably be the move in which they uh, go to. But they can get rid of Jared Goff with uh, without paying him. I believe his guaranteed money is officially running out at the end of the year. All right, Peter, uh, let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, New York Giants. Uh, the Chiefs acquired former first-round pick Kadarius Tony from the Giants in exchange for a 2023 third-round pick and a 2023 sixth-round pick. Kadarius Tony, the receiver from Georgia, uh, like I said, was picked in the first round just a season ago. Uh, as somebody that apparently has not been in the good graces uh, with Brian Dable and uh, has barely been on the field, and it just feels like he's been a mess. Um, I think he's only had two receptions all year. He had 39 receptions last year in 10 games. So, Peter, do you believe that the Giants decided to make this move because they think he's he just can't play, or do you think the Chiefs kind of bought into early? What do you think? I don't know because they need the Giants need a receiver. They obviously I, I don't know if like I, I did you did you say that they will hate him like he must. I mean I would I would yeah. say he does, and I know he's been banged up, and a lot of people are saying it's the injury he has has sort of been like played up. So I I mean I think he's. Been in two he's got to pass this physical to one. move, so he's not that hurt, I guess. And the Chiefs, I mean, swing for the fences. Somebody a third round pick for somebody got drafted a year ago, like top ten or whatever it was. I liked him out of college. So. I did too. I'll give you two sides of the coin for this. I'll start with the Giants side. So if the Giants are in a situation and they see like, wow, this this kid is this kid can't play. We don't think he should even be a starter on this team. Like we we like guys like Wendell uh, Wendell Robinson and I don't know whoever you want to slice in there. And they say, we're not going to be like, for example, the Patriots, and we're going to sit with Nikhil Harry for five years and then trade him for a seventh-round pick. We're going to get in front of it while people th still think he can play, and that's why you do it now. That's why, if you're the Giants, you make the move. If you're the Chiefs, you sit here and say, this is an, this is an asset that is being underutilized with the Giants. This is He's not playing because the coach doesn't like him. He's going to fit in perfectly with our offense. He's speedy. He's quick. He's versatile. He's going to fit in with Juju Smith and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Hardman, and all those guys, and that's why you make the move if you're the Chiefs, and it, to me, it signals that the Chiefs are probably out on the Odell Beckham Jr. sweepstakes, so I guess this is a deal that we're going to have to wait and see how it kind of shapes out, but I, I see why both teams made it. The Chiefs think they have an asset in which they can turn into a real first-round pick, you know, and the Giants, they think Tooney sucks, and that he's not part of the future, and that's why they made the move, and if they think that, they got a pretty decent draft haul in return. Yeah, I mean, it is the back end of the third, well, way back into the third round. So. Yeah. So we'll see how that one goes. Another one, Peter. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers traded wide receiver Chase Claypool to the Bears for a 2023 second round pick. Uh, Chase Claypool, of course, uh, I would call him like the 1B option for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, the Bears finally giving uh, Justin Fields a, a known offensive weapon. So, yeah, I mean, people on Twitter that are complaining that this is way too much. I mean, you can't complain that you need Justin Fields to get an actual receiver. And then when he kind of gets a receiver, it's way too much. I mean, you can't be both sides. But it, it should help Justin Fields. I think, listen, if you want to know the secret, Justin Fields have passed Mac Jones and passed uh, Trevor Lawrence, I think. I think he's my number one. It feels like Fields' stock has went up the last month. 
he could run all over the place. I like Justin Fields. Sucks he's in Chicago and his career will die probably. But I like that uh, trade for both sides. So I'm not the biggest Chase Claypool guy. Like I think Deontay Johnson's a better receiver. And if you're the Steelers, it feels like they kind of fell in, out of love with Chase Claypool last year. I thought he was going to get dealt actually in the offseason. Uh, do you remember that play? I forgot who it was. It was on a, maybe a Thursday night game and Claypool was celebrating that first down and uh, he didn't rush the ball to the line of scrimmage. And they ran out of time. Felt like Mike Tomlin and company kind of checked out on Chase Claypool then. And I think that's why you make the move. I think Deontay Johnson's a better receiver than Claypool. I think the Steelers like George Pickens a real lot. And I think they think the offense will operate better with Pickens being that number two option as opposed to Chase Claypool. You look at the other side with the Bears. Chase Claypool, I know it's giving up a second round pick might seem like a steep price, but when you're throwing a guys like Darnell Mooney and Nikhil Harry and you can stop there, Nikhil Harry, Cole Komet, right and uh, yeah, it, it feels like that's why you make the move. So the Bears, who felt like for most of this trade deadline were in a selling stage, they bought on this particular player. So we'll see. I imagine they're going to pay him, and he's going to be a part of their future. But uh, I'm curious to see how he fits in with that Bears offense. Uh, He's a big guy. He can block pretty well, but Justin Fields isn't necessarily like that throw it up, throw the 50-50 ball kind of quarterback up. So uh, I'm curious how he's going to fit in there. Uh, also, reports have have been uh, reported the Packers also offered a second-round pick for Chase Claypool, but the Steelers elected to take the Bears offer as opposed to the Packers offer. And I think Chase Claypool would have been a good fit with the Packers. I think if you're a Packers fan, that's got to annoy you a little bit. I I, I guess. I mean... If I was the Steelers, I'd pick the Bears pick over the Packers. Oh pick. yeah, that's why you do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, for sure. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not roasting the Steelers for doing that. I think yeah, the Bears pick's gonna probably be higher than the Packers picks. That's why you do it. Um, and if the Packers really wanted the player, they could have threw in a a day three pick and deal what it got done, but they didn't. So, uh, Peter, last move I want to talk about because I think there was twenty moves. We obviously can't talk about all twenty. Uh, was the Eagles? They acquired uh, defensive end Robert Quinn from the Bears in exchange for a 2023 fourth round pick. Uh, Robert Quinn is somebody that kind of goes unnoticed. He plays in the defensive line, not really talked about, but he is nearly as impactful as any defensive end uh, in the NFL. And I think he's a perfect fit for that Eagles team. He was an all pro last year. I like this move a lot from the Philadelphia Eagles and the Eagles who continue to sit undefeated here. And it felt like their front seven was, I don't want to call it depleted, but maybe it was a weak spot. Robert Quinn, I think uh, fills in that gap. Yeah, I mean, t- tell him after the press conference. That's kind of sad and kind of a dick move, to be honest with you. But I like it from both sides. It's only a fourth-round pick. Yeah, Eagles rolling. They're probably the best team in the NFC, probably. Yeah, I, I would say I would put Just them as by the default, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I think, all right, maybe they're not going to go undefeated, but they don't have a lot of tough games left. I know. that I've picked against them the last two weeks because I'm, I'm waiting for them to kind of fall. It hasn't happened yet. But like all they have is the Cowboys. I do, I do think the Cowboys are pretty good, but again, it's Mike McCarthy, and you know how I feel about Mike McCarthy, Peter. Sure, you got to go encourage though. I will absolutely. He's been something? able to. He was able to keep things together with Cooper Rush under center. Uh, this past week, they didn't have Zeke Elliott, and Tony, my guy Tony Pollard came in there, and they didn't miss a beat. They put up forty something points. Defense with Dan Quinn's been great. Micah Parsons is a defensive player of the year candidate. So, yeah, you got to give the Cowboys credit. And they were a team that yeah. sat out in this deadline, which I was a little surprised about. Yeah, even though Jerry Jones said they're all in. Yeah, I think they could have been in the market for a receiver. I don't think they wanted to give up, like, 
that pick for Chase Claypool, but I could have seen them being in for a guy like um, if Brandon Cooks got dealt, I think that would have been a good fit. He didn't end up getting dealt, but I think he would have been a, a pretty decent fit there. Other receivers that didn't get dealt, I'm trying to think off the top of my mind. Um, maybe Very Robbie. I, so we talked, yeah, I don't think they were realistically going to move Judy, but uh, this one was a couple weeks ago, which we talked about was Robbie Anderson got moved to the, the Cardinals. I think he would have been a decent fit in Dallas as like a number three guy behind Gallup and, of course, CeeDee Lamb. So, I don't know. It feels like Dallas uh, sitting out in Philadelphia got better. So, that probably doesn't bode well for the Cowboys in the NFC East. Well, they but, can uh, rest pretty easy. I mean, the Giants got exposed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And even then, I still think the Giants are a playoff team, and I think Seattle's pretty good. But uh, in terms of the Giants, like we said, they only um, moved on from, uh, of course, their receiver and uh, Seattle. I believe they were quiet in the deadline. I don't think they did anything. They did nothing, which is probably good. This is probably good. Why would you do anything? You know, you're sitting here. You can be buyers and sellers at the same time. You're fighting for a playoff spot and you You have have the treasure chest of draft picks coming up. You have a top five pick. It's the other way with the Jets and Jamal Adams. It's so true. Yep. Feels like, yeah, it's like the the Uno reverse card. All right, Peter, uh, do you want to give our picks now? Let's do it. All right. You want to lead off? Let's do it. Sure. I mean, the Bucks minus two and a half versus the Rams. I, I think they're going to write the ship. I think the Rams are way too injured. And I don't think Cooper Cup's going to be 100%. That's the only reason. If the Bucks lose this game, I think it's all over. So you're picking the Bucks. Yeah. Minus uh, Peter, two and I'm, I'm going to ride with you here. Uh, I'm also going to take the Bucks at minus two and a half. When you look at this Bucks team, they are in a real win. They're in a, they need to win. They simply need to win. The Rams, like you said, Cooper Cup's banged up. The Bucs are at home. It feels like this is a good spot for the Bucs. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. All right, my next pick, Panthers plus seven. I'm going to ride them until they lose with P.J. Walker and the new regime down there. Bengals look inept. I know the Panthers' defense is way worse than the Browns, but I think they could put up points. It'll be pretty close. It'll be closer than people think. My second pick is is actually going to be my premium pick of the week. I'm going to go Packers minus three and a half against the Detroit Lions. Uh, similar to how I'm picking the Bucs, I'm rolling with the Packers here because they're playing the worst defense in the NFL. I think they're going to put together things offensively, and I think they can win this game by a touchdown. I truly believe that. This will be a game in which Aaron Jones should be able to do whatever he wants. The Packers finally get on track, and they beat the Lions, who just sold half their team today. Not half their team, but you know what I mean. My third pick, I'm just doing it to spite you, to be honest. I'm picking the under on the Eagles-Texans, uh, 44. I'm just proving to you that picking Thursday games is pretty easy. I think the Eagles are going to blow them out. I think the Texans, as I said in the beginning of the show, is probably the worst team or the second worst team in the whole thing, and I think the Eagles are going to sit their starters. So it got out of hand real quick. And uh, before I give you my third pick, random observation. So Game 3 of the World Series will be on Thursday night, right? So... Uh, ironically, because the Eagles, of course, playing the Texans, Philadelphia, Houston, the World Series is Astros, Phillies. Kind of cool. Oh, that kind of messed it up with the rain delay. That's what I'm saying, yeah. My third pick, Peter, I'm going to go Ravens minus three. Uh, Ravens playing Monday night football this week against the New Orleans Saints. And I've picked against the Saints like three consecutive weeks now, and I've been burnt twice. Not going to get burnt this time. Uh, I think the Ravens are putting things together. They're going to have Roquan Smith. I like them here, and it feels like Andy Dalton's, I don't want to say a ticking time bomb, but I just don't necessarily trust him. Uh, I like the Ravens to win this game here. Andrews, I don't like that. I don't know if Andrews is going to play. I think that's their whole offense. But yeah, what, about, what are you talking about? Your guy Isaiah Likely. 
Yeah, fair enough. All right, my next pick. Here you go, Matt. Bears plus five, just because of you. Uh, that, that's all it is. Sounds Bears are gonna win outright. Justin Fields, I think, is the best uh, quarterback right now from that draft class, as I said before. You taking the money line? I'll take the money. Uh no, I'm not taking the money line. Damn. Because even though two is terrible, Tyree Kill is insane. He he's literally insane, and Jalen Waddle's insane too. They make Tua look good, even though he's not good. Well, Matt. All right, my fourth pick. I'm gonna go with the over in the Seahawks Cardinals game. The totals at fifty and a half. I know it seems high, but these are two offenses that like to score points. Cardinals defense is very suspect. They just gave up thirty plus points against the Vikings this past week. In the Seattle Seahawks, uh, I think their defense is a little bit better than the Cardinals, but I think this game is going to be in the high 20s. Uh, I like over 50 and a half in this game. Are you worried that MW2 came out on Friday? Oh, shit. No, I didn't even think about that. All right, my last pick, my premium pick of the week. I'm surprised you didn't pick this. Pat's minus five and a half. Bill Belichick versus a rookie quarterback. He's going to look real bad. I don't even think you... Uh, actually, don't go to that game because the Colts will probably win. But on paper, the Colts shouldn't score more than like seven points. Peter, the, the curse of me is gone. They told you they won against the Lions. The curse is done. That doesn't count. Though. Why does it not count? Uh, all right, my final pick. I'm going to take, I'm going to stick with the over again. Over for the Vikings commanders. The set, the, it's set at 43 and a half. Like I said, the Vikings, I think the offense can put up points. And I think Taylor Heineke can also put up like 20 something points. I like the over in this game. Trying to be a little bit unconventional this this week because I've struggled so much. So we'll see how it pans out, Peter. On this board is absolutely terrible. I know. I, I, that's why I'm picking two uh, two totals because I'm not in love with a lot. All right, Peter, you want to talk some NBA? Yeah. All right, Peter, we had some NBA breaking news on Wednesday. Um, the Brooklyn Nets uh, parted ways with head coach Steve Nash. Uh, Steve Nash, who was felt like he was in the off, uh, he was on the hot seat all off season. But uh, the Nets ended up sticking with him to start the year, and they finally moved on from him after seven games. Uh, after I think it was a two and five start from the Nets, and uh, all reports suggest that Coach Ime Udoka of the Celtics is going to be the new head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Peter, I was not surprised one bit. As soon as Steve Nash was fired, uh, I said Ime Udoka was going to be the new head coach of the Nets. Yeah, I'm not surprised either. He was lurking there all. The whole time. It was kind of obvious. They're not getting any compensation, which is totally understandable. It sucks, but the reason is they're not going to pay. They they won't have to pay Udoka's buyout or anything like that. Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, yeah. I'd do that over the draft pick. Over and, a second-round pick? Yeah, who cares? They have wait, They have a lock jam in Maine anyway. It doesn't even matter. But, no, it is what it is. And when was that date? Like, November like or December? When, whenever they come to the TD Garden? February 3rd, I think. February 1st. Oh, my God. I would pay a million dollars just to go. Yeah. Just the atmosphere. So the Celtics-Nets rivalry, it's going to take on a new level because you hope, you have the whole Kyrie Irving thing, right, which has, of course, been withstanding for years now. He won't play. He probably won't play. Uh, you have now this new element with Ime Udoka, who is not allowed to coach the Celtics. Um, it's still been vague about what he actually was suspended for. Um, but the NBA has passed on giving him any penalties, so take that for what you want. And now uh, the Celtics are going to ride with Joe Mazzulla, 34-year-old first-time head coach, for, and Ime Udoka is going to head to Brooklyn and be the coach with Kyrie Durant, Ben Simmons, Joe Harris, and all those guys in Brooklyn. So it's going to be crazy. 
The one thing I will say, I think Ime Udoka is going to get frustrated because I don't think this Nets team is good defensively. I don't think they have the capability to be good defensively. The whole thing about Ime Udoka's defensive system is the ability to be versatile, flexible defensively, and I just don't think the Nets have the personnel to be that. But Udoka can absolutely control a room. He can absolutely control these stars in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant as whacked as they are. Uh, and as bad as they struggled, they respect Udoka, and I think Udoka will absolutely improve this team. Does that make them a championship team in my eyes? It still doesn't, but I take them more serious today than I did yesterday. It is pretty surprising. It is Steve Nash that was doomed to start, but it is pretty surprising seven games in. You already got to act. I think this, is, real bad. this has been something. That I think. Well, they should have done it last offseason. I don't know why they didn't do it. Because they were waiting on Udoka, in my opinion. I think this was something that the Nets have probably been waiting on for months since the whole Udoka stuff started to kind of sprinkle out. I know we got it right before training camp, but I don't rule out that the Nets kind of had it ahead of time and maybe knew that the Celtics were going to go in this direction. So maybe they were just kind of looming around, and that's why they kept Steve Nash. And when the time was right and the law process, the legal process worked itself out and the investigation and all that. And that's when they wanted to strike. So maybe the Nets kind of just waited it out for they officially would have to uh, not give up anything via trade. So I think it's a good win for the, for the Nets. Cause I think Udoka is a real coach. He is 10 times the coach, Steve Nash is and the Celtics Nets rivalry. Like I said, it's become a lot hotter today than it did a couple weeks ago. So that should be crazy to see. And I will say, I think there is now some pressure on Joe Missoula. He better I understand the coaching probably matters less than the NBA does it than it does in a lot of other sports, but if Joe Missoula it holds the Celtics back for whatever reason, uh, I think there, there'll be some second guesses. And if Udoka really takes off at the Nets and the Nets win a title before the Celtics, there's going to be some real problems. Could you imagine? I think, I think they look pretty good, though. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. No, it's it a small sample size. Yeah. yeah. We'll see how it is when things start flying and all that sort of thing. And Peter, one last topic. Russell Westbrook looks like he's going to come off the bench now for the Lakers. The Lakers have struggled mightily. And ironically enough, Peter, uh, when we did the NBA preview show with Carr and Noah, we barely brought up the Lakers. We pretty much... Somebody said they didn't want to even make the playoffs. I think it was Noah. And I forgot who it was. Noah's looking right because this Lakers team has struggled. And the Cavs bench, are Peter, is, Their bench is awful. Absolutely awful. Uh, they have Matt Ryan is like their eighth man who was like the Celtics 14th man last year. Like, I'm not even joking. He was the Celtics 14th man last year. He is now a rotation player on this, on this Lakers team. Uh, and Westbrook doesn't want to be there. It feels like they don't want him there, but they don't want to give him away. The Lakers have no tradable assets other than LeBron and Anthony Davis, but they obviously don't want to do that. So it's a mess, real mess. Do you think they're hopeless? I mean, they're not hopeless because they have LeBron James, but he only can do so much. He's deteriorating. Anthony Davis is healthy-ish. I know he was out with a back injury, but it is what it is. His health is suspect, yeah. Yeah, Lakers probably will sneak into the playing tournament, which is a joke. I will say, the Lakers are not a championship-caliber team this year, and in the foreseeable future, I don't see how you necessarily get better. I really don't. They're in like a lose-lose situation. Stephen A. Smith alluded to it earlier. Well, they got to blow it up. I yeah, they, they might have up. to blow it up. You have to might have to trade LeBron. Like it's just simple as that. You have nowhere to go. You have no money. You have no assets. You have no picks. You have nothing. Like the cupboard is legitimately bare. Your highest, your number one asset is like LeBron James, who's whatever it was, you know, 38 years old, whatever it is. It's just crazy. And they I don't want to say broken down Anthony Davis, but an injury riddle in Anthony Davis. Maybe their hope is you have Kyrie Irving eventually 
blow himself out of Brooklyn and end up in LA. But even then, it seems unlikely at this point now. It's just a mess. It's a mess. That team was poorly constructed, poorly built from the GM on, and it's rough. You can hang your hats. You're the like the Washington Nationals. You did win a championship two years ago. You did. You did. And despite even if it was in the COVID year, you still won it. And I will say, if they did not win that championship, I think there would have been a lot, probably more drastic decisions that would happen this off season, this previous off season. So, but it is real early. I mean, oh, it's stupid early. The Utah yeah. Jazz right now look like they're the '96 Bulls. Now nah, that's so, the Bucks, actually. Yeah, them too. Yeah. Even though they almost lost the uh, Detroit. Yeah. Detroit looks pretty good, too. And the record's not there, but Kate Cunningham looks like he's an all-star, and Jaden Ivey looks like he could be a Rookie of the Year candidate. So, how are you doing in our Fantasy Basketball League? I am 1-1, one and one, I think. I think I play you this week. I think. I'm 2-0. and oh. oh, you're 2-0? Oh. Yeah, I don't really know, like, any people on the bench. So, like, I don't even know what I'm doing, to be honest. But, right. is- Peter, best of luck. All right, Peter, you want to wrap up the show with five questions not about football? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Peter. Number one. What is All right, your... let's change it up. Now, number one, what is your least favorite costume that you saw while trick-or-treating? Um... You can answer the questions this time. Okay. All right. That's fine. What is while trick-or-treating? Well, yeah. You said that you. Oh, okay. That's cool. Like... Um, hmm. My least favorite. I saw some weird. I saw cereal box. That's the weirdest one. A cereal box. Cereal box. All right, number two. What candy do you guys give out? You give the full size chocolate bars? No, 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 no. It was Reese's. It was um, Reese's, Snickers, lollipops, and I think Milky Ways. <laughs> lollipops. You know, you know. Number three. What's ah, scary? Yeah. Ah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Number three, what scary slash Halloween movie would you not want to be in? Nick Carter asked us on Bosox. Would I not want to be in him? Yeah. Like, like, be like his real life? Yeah. So, like, it. Nightmare on Elm Street, you can't sleep. Okay. Um, it. I don't want that it. clown. Yeah. I said The Quiet Place. Oh, that's a good one, too. All right, number four. Mariah Carey posted something on Twitter today. When does Christmas season officially start? Damn you. That was a question I was going to ask you. Um, I tell you what, I, I went to a store this past weekend and there was Christmas stuff already out, but I would say after Thanksgiving, like the day after Thanksgiving, like Black Friday. Yeah, me. I, I agree with that. I hate people that do it right but now. It's, it's already starting. It, it's already starting. And number five, assuming that this might be the last year of the daylight savings, do you like it? So I hate when it gets dark early. I'm I'm opposed to that. It feels like I don't like the the days being shorter. I I hate that. So I'm I like more light, especially in the afternoon and stuff. Like Peter, I got home today from work at like four o'clock and like or close to four o'clock, and I just look outside. And I'm like, oh, like pain. And yeah, so that gets I mean? past the uh, house representative. I think it will. It sounds like it, it. Sounds like it will. And everybody set your clocks back on Sunday. That's this Sunday, huh? So do we lose an hour of sleep or we gain an hour of sleep? Now you gain an hour of sleep. Oh, you gain okay. an hour of darkness, though. So yeah, get so dark at like 3. 4 o'clock, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I don't like that personally, but I don't know how I don't know how people do. Like, it's just awful. Well, Peter, thanks for asking me some questions. I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, that's we had five questions. We had an overlapping. No. We had an overlap. Oh, did we? Yeah, we did. I, I, I was going to ask you the same Christmas one. Well, it is a season. Right, Carrie says so. 
All right, well, thanks for listening to the Palm on Peter's Picks. Matt, never, ever, ever do that ever again. Oh. You'll definitely be sorry. Enjoy Columbus, though. Have fun on the road, Matt. Stay hot. <laughs>